हेलो एंड वेलकम टू द गिफ्टेड पॉडकास्ट आई एम योर होस्ट नीरज मुलानी एंड इन द गिफ्टेड पॉडकास्ट आई स्पीक विद इलीट एथलीट्स एज वी ट्राई टू चैलेंज द मिसकंसेप्शन दैट एथलीट्स आर जस्ट सम पीपल हु आर टैलेंटेड और गिफ्टेड विद स्पेशल एबिलिटीज एट बर्थ एवरी वीक आई एम जॉइंड बाय एन इलीट एथलीट as we try to break down what it truly takes and means to be an athlete if you are an aspiring athlete or just a casual sports fan you will definitely enjoy this podcast as i get candid with athletes about their journey their achievements moments of heartbreak and most importantly moments of hard work and perseverance guys i'm happy to share that the gifted podcast is now sponsored by zenkai sports the new disruptor in the performance apparel world and they have come up with a great offer for the listeners of this podcast So, stick around till the end and find out about this exciting offer. In today's episode, I welcome this show's first ever professional footballer as a guest, and what an amazing guest I have for you guys. It is PSG women's goalkeeper Ariana Cristione. Ariana has one of the most unique profiles in football as she has two parallel contracts with PSG, one as a goalkeeper and another one as a sponsorship manager. In this episode, we talk about Ariana's successful career across multiple countries and how it could all culminate in a fairy tale ending for her career on Friday, 4th June 2021, when PSG take on Dijon and could win their first league title ever with a win. So, without further ado, let's get straight to it. Welcome, Ariana, to the Gifted Podcast. We're really excited to have you today. You're the first footballer. I'm really, really excited to know more about your journey. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to see where this conversation will go. It's a real pleasure and the minute that I saw your profile on LinkedIn, it it was very apparent that you have a very unique profile in terms of the work that you're doing with PSG not just as a player but as a professional as well. So I was very keen to understand how did that role come about especially knowing that you call it your Disney story. So it's a crazy story and I won't bog you down with too many details but basically I've always been a football player I started playing at a young age and obviously in the states it's pretty important and popular for us to play through university so I got my degree in university and it was really important for my parents that I got my degree before I went pro and then I came over to Europe and I went pro and while my career was continuing I was always doing stuff on the side kind of a huge entrepreneurial spirit it definitely runs in my family my dad is an entrepreneur my sister is an entrepreneur and because of that I always had some side hustle or something going on one for necessity because the clubs didn't always pay us on time or pay us enough and two just because I don't like to be bored and sit around doing nothing but that also led me to going back to school and getting a masters in football business while I was playing here in France and then long story short I ended up on a fateful flight sitting next to the sporting director of Paris Saint-Germain and by the end of the flight I talked myself into two contracts one playing for the club as one of our backup goalkeepers and two leading the women's sponsorship team and trying to find standalone sponsors for our women's team and working on other women's football development projects right and i often like to discuss the athlete's transition from sports to their professional career but knowing that you have such a unique role that you'd be looking after two things at the same time as keen to understand how do you juggle these two roles at the same time i mean it, even though most athletes won't tell you we do have quite a bit of extra time clearly my focus isn't on taking over a starting position or so focused on my athletic endeavors anymore i'm kind of at the end of my career we definitely still have an hour to a day that we can dedicate to hobbies or to learning something or to 
mastering a different craft. And so I've just taken more of my extra time and using it to search out the extra sponsors, using it to go back to school. I just finished a Harvard program and, and now I'm currently doing the diploma in club management for FIFA. So my time is really split up and I just have to organize really well and, you know, make sure I'm using my outlet calendar all the time and not crisscrossing things. But yeah, I think we as humans have more time than we think. And especially this past year with COVID, I had lots of time to make sure I was studying and and learning and doing all the things I needed to be doing. So I don't know. I just find time to do stuff. Right. And with this unique role as the sponsorship manager before the women's team, since you're already at the forefront talking to the brands, trying to sell the women's football as a product, I wanted to know what are the thoughts of the brand on this economic divide between the men's and women's football? And more importantly, what are your thoughts on this economic divide? It depends on the brand. So every brand is different. So you can't just categorize all brands as a brand. Like every brand has a different motive for wanting to sponsor a team, whether that's the men's team or the women's team has a different financial objective that they want to use or that they need to hit. So there's a lot of really unique and intricate factors that go into sponsorships that a lot of people don't realize. It's not normally like a cookie cutter. This is package A, this is package B, this is package C, and it costs this price. And you just come and you pick your package and you pay and that's it. It's not how it works at all. So that's really difficult. Right. So what would you say is the brand's receptability or the brand's interest to sponsoring the women's sports? And what kind of customization would you be doing for these you know, brands to align with women's football when you do try and approach them? Well, women's football is a different product altogether from the men's team. We're very unique and the actual individual women on the team are unique and they all have their own special story. And a lot of them have a unique story like myself or even more unique and more exciting. A lot of them do things on the side. A lot of them have different entrepreneurial endeavors. A lot of them go back to school or are currently in school. One girl on my team will become a doctor. She'll be a surgeon. So there's definitely unique stories there. That's a lot different normally than most men's team. And the women's teamers are also more uh, receptive and interested and excited to work with the brands. And they usually will give more of their time and they're more authentic when they're there. It's not just a job. They come up, they're there for the 20 minutes that that brand is lauded and then they go away the women come and they really want to engage with the brand and they want to engage with the sponsors and they want the product to turn out to be good. So if it takes a little longer, they're willing to put in the time and the effort because they want that product and this relationship to go well, but also just overall for women's football, we need the brand. And so it's important for what we do with them to to go well. Right. And with this context, knowing that the focus is on raising the women's game, raising the profile of the women's game as it rightly should be, Do you get any helping hand from the men's team, especially knowing that the cloud that they have in the media right now? So we have a lot of the same people that work on both the men's and the women's team. So it's not just going to the men's team and getting help. Like the people that work on the men's team also work for the women's team, also work for our handball team, also work for our judo team. Do you get any uh, additional support from the players of the men's team to boost the, the profile as we rightly should be? Like we've had some of the male players who are interested in our games, come to our games and support us at our games. Some of our players like to go to the men's games. Some of our players don't like to go to the men's games. So I think that works on both sides of of the coin. And I think our men's team is happy that they have an important and a strong team. So I guess overall, yes, we have the support of our men's team. Right. And you've recently announced your retirement and you could possibly be hanging your gloves up on a high with the league title on 5th June. Without getting too ahead of ourselves, are there any special plans if and when you win the title? Oh, no, I don't know. 
break open the champagne and start spraying everybody down, that's for sure going to happen. Other than that, no, just to really revel in the moment and not let it go too quickly and just really take it all in. And and it's going to be my last. So this this Friday will be my last game ever with any team. You know, fingers crossed and everything goes well the way it should. We we will be making history and bringing home the title to Paris for the very first time. Oh, just excuse me, chills thinking about it. I'm so excited. But yeah, I'm sure the club has some things planned and, and things like that. I will be maybe going and trying to find some goodies that I will be busting out. I don't know. Some people are talking about certain flags to be worn, but I don't know. I need a day or two to decompress from yesterday's match and then I'll get focused on what's going to happen on Friday. Right. And this league title could be bittersweet knowing that you had a potentially career-threatening injury in San Etienne, your previous club, where you had not one but five injuries at the same time, tearing your ACL, MCL, PCL and both meniscus at the same time. What was going through your mind when you heard of this injury, the severe injury? I mean, we knew it was bad. So when we got the official diagnosis, I mean, that was so long. It was over five years, no more, six years ago. So I think I was just like, oh, shit. (laughs) I don't know. It was uh, a lot. It was a lot to take in in a foreign country. And and I think the biggest thing that I was scared about actually was paying for it all and how I was going to be able to to pay for my surgery and my rehab and trying to get back on the field because technically my contract was over before the scheduled surgery date but luckily Sentatian was amazing and they took really good care of me and they made sure I got all of the medical attention that I needed much longer than was necessary or much longer than they contractually had to so that was amazing and then it was just kind of one day at a time and controlling the things that I controlled I was really focused on what I could do to make sure that I could get better. So I was really focused on what I was eating. I was focused on trying to work out by doing the arm bike. I was focused on not gaining weight. I was focused on taking care of my mental health. I was extremely lucky that my family is really supportive. My mom ended up stopping work and moving to France to help take care of me. So yeah, it was definitely a family affair. And in one of the other interviews that I heard of you, you ended up finding a silver lining in this injury as well when you say that it's good that you had all the five injuries happen at the same time rather than spacing it out. What does it take to build a positive perspective like that as not just as an athlete, but as a human being? I mean, for me, it everybody around me said it was amazing and like what I was able to do. Me at the time, it was no choice. Like I had a massive cast on my leg. I couldn't move my leg. So if I wanted to be able to move my leg, I had to do everything they told me and I had to do it well and I had to do it right. And I didn't see the point in wallowing in my sorrow. Don't get me wrong. There was a couple of times where I just had a really bad day. But for the most part, it was just one foot in front of the other, one step in front of the other. Small victories of getting strength back or being able to bend my knee and just focusing on, okay, what can I do today? Whatever happens tomorrow will be tomorrow. But what can I do today to put myself in the best place to make tomorrow better? And that's all I did was just super focus on all these really small things and just make sure I stayed on track. Right. And what sort of mental strength do you think you need to come back from an injury like this? And how do you train for it? Like you mentioned that you're trying to keep your mental well-being in check, but what are the nitty gritties of, you know, having that mental well-being in check? For me, it's a lot of making lists and checking things off and making sure I quote unquote had a successful day. So I really focused on learning French during this period. I bought lots of French books. I bought a French teacher. I would try to watch TV in French. So I was learning something during this time period. I would do online classes. 
I was reading a lot of books and kind of checking all the books off that I wanted to read. And I was making sure I was keeping myself busy and it wasn't just wallowing in my own sorrow or just watching TV and doing nothing else. And I think that's what helped me stay motivated and keep me in the right track. Right. And before your move to St. Etienne, you saw possibly the most successful period of your career playing for Torres Calcio, where you won three domestic titles, one Copa Italian and three Italian Super Cups. What do you think was the biggest reason behind the continued success of yourself as well as the team in that moment? We had the best players in, in the country. No, I mean, it's, right. it's, we had the best team in the country. We had the top players. Most of the team was on the Italian national team. And it was also a great place to live. And the quality of life was great. You lived on an island. It was good weather. It was sunshine. So people were really happy. And I think all of those factors counted in. All right. So... At that moment, when you are at the top of your career, especially with the entire team being at the top of their careers, how do you stop complacency from creeping in? From the perspective of that, even though we were winning all the time, there was still a couple teams that were right on our heels. So if we dropped a game, we knew that they would take over. And winning the league was one thing, but being successful in Europe on a whole was another thing. So we did really well nationally but internationally we would only make it to the quarterfinals of champions league and so we knew that we had to play well in our league in order to improve to try to get farther internationally right and it was at this moment as well when you represented italy's national team i wanted to understand what made you choose italy over us knowing that you were born in the us us didn't call me simple italy called me to the full team and the us didn't Had they called you, do you think you'd have gone with the U.S. or still sided with Italy? No, I would have gone to the U.S. Knowing that you are a keeper and your role on the field is the most unique because physically you're relatively more stationary than the other players and yet one mistake in your role can result in a goal directly. With the stakes often being so high for the keepers, how do you ensure that you're concentrating throughout the 90 minutes? For me personally, I talk a lot. I just keep myself engaged by continuous communication. And so I have to be watching what's happened if I'm communicating. And that's always helped me stay in the game. And coming back to your team that was so successful for three to four years at the same time, I wanted to know while the team will always have collective goals at the beginning of the season, how would you set personal goals for the season could you give me an example of some of your goals for this season i've always been one that wanted to get shutouts so shutouts in a row consistent shutouts the most shutouts of the league has always been a big one for me and then also small goals um improving my kicking game making sure i was coming out farther and farther on crosses and opening that distance for myself and different things like this and now having decided to retire i'd love to know the best coach that you trained under and what would you say was the best advice that you got there's so many coaches i would never want to call one out specifically i don't know if it's the best advice but it's one of the ones that sticks in my mind the most and it's it doesn't have to be pretty it has to be effective because it was also funny it was my college coach who told me that but then i went to italy and in italy it has to be pretty and it has to be effective like they really care how it looks and like it was the only time that my coaches would get mad if i saved it but it didn't look good so it was also a culture shock and it was a way to learn that it's not always that way, which was pretty funny. I think I've had a lot of great coaches and I think even the bad coaches I've learned from them of what not to do or how to not interact with people. So I think you can learn something from everybody and you just have to try to take the good as much as possible. Right. And coming to, you know, learning 
from that kind of experiences what would you say was the most devastating loss in your career easy the national championships in university when i was 18 years old <laughs> why would you say that because i made a huge mistake and made espn bloopers and we lost the game and my coach said that i shot the team in the foot on national television right and that is the coach that ended up becoming the the coach for the national team as well right correct right and from that to the other end of the spectrum what would you say is your favorite sporting memory of hopefully this friday amen for that i know you care a lot about raising the profile of the women's sport especially women's football what do you think the future holds for ariana now that you have decided to hang up your glove i think well, i know for sure that i'll stay in women's sports especially women's football and my objective is to continue working with a consultancy that i've already started to work with to help clubs federations stakeholders sponsors develop the game more create strategic plans and start to understand how they can actually get an ROI from women's football and what's the best way to do it bringing in a bunch of different factors and and how women's football can not only grow for the players themselves but also for the clubs and bring in money for those clubs so that the women's team can stand alone right and i often try and close the episode trying to know what got the athlete started in the game and i know that you're father in american football how much of influence would you pay to that in your career i mean my dad was just a college football player he didn't go that far so but he was really athletic and i think it was just a really close family that really supported each other and so whether it was my mom my sister or my dad everybody was my biggest fan growing up and i've always come to my games and if the world was different today i'm sure my mom and sister would be at the game this friday Yeah, I don't think it was specifically my dad. I just think it's having a support system behind you and knowing that people are always there for you and whether you have a good game or you have a bad game, they're going to be there. I think it's super important and it's always been important in my career since I came abroad that my family really supported me and as soon as I got injured, my mom would come visit, my sister come vis- visits all the time. I could always go home if I was having problems. I think the support system was huge and and definitely kept kept me in the game as long as it has. Right. It's been a real pleasure having you on the episode today, and we really wish you the best of luck for the the coming match. And we really hope that you lift the title and end your career on a high. Awesome! Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope all your listeners have a great day, and and I hope that they watch the game on Friday. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ariana. Well, it was wonderful talking to Ariana about her immensely successful career. and also how she continues to keep her side hustle on as she takes on interesting projects outside the field and continues to drive the agenda of women's sports forward i wish her the very best for the upcoming game on friday 4th june 2021 and hoping that she can hang up her gloves proudly with psg women's team's first ever league title as promised here's more about our partnership with zenkai sports the new disruptor in the performance apparel world Zenkai utilizes a brand new technology that repels liquids, keeping you cooler during intense activity as the sweat evaporates naturally off your skin. This allows you to regulate body temperature easily and push yourself harder as Zenkai clothing harnesses the power of your sweat. Sweat is our friend, keep it on you. Zenkai Sports is also the only performance apparel company which is cotton based. All of their gear is over 65% cotton with some pieces over 95%. Cotton is biodegradable, feels great against your skin and is much better for our environment than synthetic based apparel. 
please go to www.zenkaisports.com to check out their cool range of products that can give you that extra boost in your performance. And while you are at it, use the code TGP20 for a 20% discount off your entire order. You can also find all these details in our show notes of this episode. So don't forget to check it out. So that's it for this episode, folks. Thank you for tuning into the Gifted Podcast. I have been your host, Neeraj Mulani. A gentle reminder, you can find us as The Gifted on your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. Keep following us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as The Gifted Podcast and on Twitter as The Gifted Pod so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. Thank you once again for listening and I'll see you next week with another special episode. Until then, stay well and keep your masks on.